Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Well, it's good to be in the house of God, amen? Um, if you have your Bibles, would you open to Matthew 11? Matthew 11. Um, this is a passage where um, I just spent the last week kind of like going over it. And, um, you know, it's something that I, I'm going to skip to verse 20 because there's a lot in this passage. Uh, and we mostly primarily going to spend most of our time on uh, 27, 28, and 29. So if you are ready, just look at me, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, Matthew 11 says this, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you? Uh, I can't pronounce this, but if you can, I think it's pronounced uh, Chorazin? Chorazin? I don't know. Um, It's a town. (laughs) Would have repented of their sins long ago, uh, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in the wicked Sodom, you would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on the judgment day than you. And then he goes on to say, at the time Jesus uh, prayed pray this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleases you to do it this way. And he goes on to say, my Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly or no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal himself for him. Then Jesus said, Come unto me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart." And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, for the things that you are doing daily. Father, that you are changing our hearts and you're making us more and more like you daily, Lord. Lord, I pray right now as, as we dive into your word that you'd open up our hearts, Lord. And Father, you'll speak into us, God, your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your presence, Lord. And Father, I pray that people that came in here that are under the burdens of religion, burdens of sin, burdens of uh, social pressure or anxiety, Lord, that today we would learn how to rest in you. Today we would learn how to rest uh, in, in your comfort, Lord. Lord, I thank you this morning for every single person that came in, and I ask you right now, God, that you start coming and minister to our hearts. And let Jesus pray, and everyone said, "Amen." Well, it's good to be in the house of God, and uh, man, I I spent quite a almost a week on this, and I literally primarily focused on the last three verses, uh, but there's just so much packed into here. Um, I remember last year uh, after we did this amazing party. Um, for young adults at North Campus. And I was, after the party kind of was over, I was sort of tasked 
with taking all the dishes and br bringing them back to the rental place. So I go, and this is like January 2nd, I think. Um, I, uh, you know how like the, f the first day is kind of a blur, but then the next day you kind of are able to do something. So I get in my car and I go to North Campus and I load my whole car. So like I, I put the, the seats down and I load my whole car with dishes. And you know, if you've ever driven with dishes, you know, like you have to be really careful. Um, and it just so happens as I'm, as I'm driving, um, I'm coming. So this is from Canmore to Kent. So it's quite, so I'm almost in Kent when the car just sort of starts to stall on the highway. You know, and I'm just like, what is going on? So I finally managed to pour up, pull to the, to the side, and I'm like, okay, something happened. The whole car just sort of, I mean, you can still, the, the stuff is still on, but the, like, the car is not driving. Turns out I ran out of gas. Um, <laughs> you would think, you would think that I would have seen, uh, it's just my car at that time didn't have that beeping noise that makes when you're, there's some cars that do that, but like with mine is just the light comes on and somehow I managed to ignore the whole time. And I know that uh, in this place, there's people that when you are filling up your, your gas tank, right? Um, if you are like past uh, like three quarters or like you're, you used a quarter, you're like, I better fill up. Like you're, you're that kind of person. Like you, you, you have to fill up because what if, you know, the apocalypse happens tomorrow. You have to have a full tank of gas. But there's some of you that you like running on empty. Like, you don't, you don't understand my car. My car drives 30, 40 miles, 50 sometimes on empty. Let me tell you that it's not a fun experience when you run out of gas and when you have a whole bunch of dishes. Like, you'd like, I'm like, do I, I could tow the car. But how do you tow a car that's full of dishes? And I literally can say that the only time I had dishes in my life was once, and that was that time. And that's the time I ran out of gas. When things start to go wrong, apparently they, they don't really check with you when they're supposed to go wrong. Well, you know, it was a very melodramatic moment for me because I was just like, I'm like, I don't know how to go home. And, and I just, I just really thankful for our friends um, because I called a friend, happened to be in the area. And I'm like, hey, you're not gonna believe this. Um, but I ran out of gas and they're like, oh, I really believe it because that's kind of like you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, they brought me gas. Um, I poured it in and uh, surprise, surprise, the car started. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of times we are like that. We ignore the warnings of these kind of signs. It's one thing when you run out of gas um, and you know all you have to do is maybe walk to the gas station and learn your lesson or have someone bring you your gas but when you start to do that in your own physical life i've done the same thing um i've i've worked myself into extreme like exhaustion uh this was a two years ago where i would wake up every day at four i would work for eight hours or ten hours depends on 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 what that day was and then i would go to school for four hours and after that i'd go to church and i would minister and it was an ongoing thing and and i like I prided myself on getting four to five hours of sleep. It was great. You get a lot of things done, or so you think. Because when you crash, you crash like hard. And it, obviously I started to, I have this like small cough and I just really know, okay, what's big deal is just, it's just a cold. 
And then weeks on, it kept on dragging and there's no, there's no change. And then I started to cough things up and that's, I realized that this is serious. So I walked into the doctor's office and the doctor looked at me and it's like, yeah, you got pneumonia. And I'm like, just by looking at me, he's like, no, I just can hear the way you breathe. I can hear the crackling in your lungs. So I can tell you that this is pneumonia. Turns out that that's what it was. And, and he recommended me to not go to work, but actually stay home and rest. This is a moment you, so I literally, I had to take off work and I had to, well, I thought I was dying, but like, other than that, like, um, I rested. Have you ever tried to sit home and like, I moved into my new place and like, we didn't have any connection to the internet. Have you ever tried to be just in silence for three days with no Wi-Fi? Like, that's like, how do people do it before us? I don't understand that. But like, one thing I do realize is that how silence became such an enemy. Because I was like, I don't know how long I can be in this silence. I don't know how much I can sleep. You, you know, I, I don't think we, we are doing very well with our silence. Like, I don't think we do very well with this idea of resting. I think a lot of us can come to church and we can confess that we're dealing with uh, sin and addictions. We can, we can confess to that. But have you ever tried to, to kind of just look at people when they, they talk to you and they're like, yeah, I've just been really busy. And it's a sign of pride almost. Their busyness is a, is a point of accomplishment. We pride in being busy. We feel more important. We like to be needed because it gives us a sense of self, self-worth. We like to have the answers. We like to prove to our boss that, hey, we can do not only overtime, but we can do over overtime, right? And the moment we start to slow down, the moment like, and maybe this message is not exactly for you this morning, but it's about rest. Some of you really need to get to work, but I'm just saying, some of you (laughs) really need to pull back a little and start learning how to rest. Because in the process of trying to please everyone, you burn out. It, it, it amazes me how we don't see this. It's one thing to run out of gas on the side of the highway. It's another thing to get physically, but I think it's what's even worse when you're spiritually unhealthy and you're running on empty and you don't even realize it. You can't even pause to understand that these warning signs are not going away. They're pointing to a deeper problem. Oh, so, so, it, so what, what's the big deal if I deal with a little bit of anxiety? Everyone does it. What's the big deal if I'm a little bit desperate? Yeah, maybe you should pause a little. What's the big deal if I'm dealing with fear and, and, and I, I don't really know what's the next step? These are all signs. They, they point to something. And we should, not, we should not kind of like ignore those things. Just like I shouldn't be ignoring my light on my dashboard. But I think when it comes to the things of the soul, we, this is where things get a bit confusing. Because we don't really understand what soul is. What, what is the soul? You understand physical work. You understand physical exhaustion. You understand when your car breaks down. But I think when it comes to when is your soul breaking down, when you are exhausted on a soul level, I think that's very convoluted. And I love this illustration that's, I think this, this guy's name is Colin Smith. You can look him up on YouTube. He has a, a whole series on this. But I love the way he kind of describes the restlessness of the soul. 
Okay, we, we see it throughout the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament, and I see, we see it in our, in our personal life, we see it in Hollywood, this, this restlessness that we constantly struggle with. So, so picture this, if you, if you were to look at your soul as a boardroom, Pastor Yuri kind of mentioned about like the boardroom, um, but can I just tell you, I've been in the corporate boardrooms and I've been in church boardrooms, I'm not going to tell you which one is which, but uh, a lot of times can it get, things can get extremely tense and there's a lot of disagreement. Well, picture your soul being a, a boardroom and in this boardroom, there's a whole bunch of members. For example, you have your member, the mind. The mind is a bit dissatisfied because as, the, as you grow older, the mind has all these frustrations because it has all these questions that it doesn't have any answers to. It says, oh, well, there are some things that were okay with me when I was seven or 16, but now they're not sitting well with me and I'm wrestling with these questions and I don't know what to do about this. So think of the mind being a board member and he's just kind of a little bit disheveled. He's kind of thinking, okay, what is going on? Like, I'm not getting answers to my questions. And then you have the heart that's another board room member and it's sitting across and says, yeah, but I'm, I'm dealing with brokenness. I'm, I have this heaviness because I've been giving myself to a whole bunch of different lovers and I'm in the process, I've got broken and I don't really know how to love again. I'm dealing with a lot of heaviness. I, I feel betrayed. Regardless what kind of love these are, be it a romantic kind of love, be it a best friend kind of love, be it a, a parent, a child kind of love, the, the heart feels betrayed. And obviously the heart is having a hard time in this boardroom. And then you have the will. The will is sort of like things that initiate things and says, I want to do so much, but you guys are pulling me down. I, I want to go and, and start doing things. I want to take charge, but you always bring me back to what I'm supposed to do and all that because, you know, when your will wants to do something and your mind is like, ah, you don't want to look foolish. Like, you should probably take a break. And the heart is like, I don't know if I'm into this really. Last time, it was not, ex it was not pleasant. Quite frankly, it wasn't nice at all. There's already some disagreement happened there. And then you have your conscience, which is sort of like the boardroom member that God gave you, right? And the conscience is dealing with some things that you haven't dealt for a very long time. And it's constantly trying to bring that to the surface, but the whole boardroom has, doesn't want to listen. Have you ever tried when, when God speaks to you through your conscience and you're like, yeah, we're not dealing with us right now. I'm going to go with some, do some Netflix just about now. And the conscience bringing, yeah, you should probably deal with the childhood drama that you've never dealt with. The sins that, that you've done against other people, the things that were done to you. And you're like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. So, so, so the conscience is sitting in this boardroom and is thinking like, this is frustrating. Like we need to deal with this. We, we have to deal with this. And the whole boardroom hasn't, doesn't want to hear it. And then you have your memory, which the boardroom likes to hear because it kind of relies on memory is important. It'd be nice to know like why you are here and what your name is, right? So the whole boardroom is, you know, but memory also has all these things in the back that you've never dealt with, things that regret. And they're just kind of sitting there and the memory doesn't really know. And the last one, the last, last member that you have on the boardroom is your imagination. 
The imagination is always frustrated because he always has to come up with things the whole boardroom should engage in. Right? So, so the imagination is like, I want to, like uh, all of us, but every single time I come up with a new pursuit, it, once we get to it, we realize how shallow it is. And you guys put so much pressure on me to come up with something that is not going to fail all of you. So imagination is refreshing. Now I understand this is not exactly what, like a physical thing. This is obviously something that I'm trying to illustrate. That your board is conflicted because, I mean, your, your soul is conflicted because the whole boardroom is conflicted. There's things in the mind that you haven't dealt with, anxiety and, and questions you haven't answered. There's things in the heart that you haven't, you know, kind of sought out and says, how can we heal this and restore this? You've been giving yourself imaginations to endless pursuits, to things that don't bring satisfaction. And obviously your imagination by now is quite frustrated too. And then the will is trying to do something, but it's pulled back by all the members. And the memory is dealing with, with a whole bunch of things that happened in the past that you haven't dealt with. You've had people before that talked about that they're so passionate about something that happened 40 years ago. And you're like, you're 60. You're still talking about how this person wronged you? And there's a conscience that says, hey, guys, we, we have to deal with all of this. Needless to say, this is what happens when the soul is conflicted. Uh, David says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Now, you know, when it comes to Christ, I think a lot of us, we come to him, but we're not fully in. Case in point, think of anyone that may be, you know, it once, like I know that at least at least 80% of you, you came here because you want to follow Jesus. You're not here on people, I don't know about the other 20%, and I'm not sure if that's really correct because, you know, I'm just saying statistics, right? Like, <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is most of you came here because you wanted to be here. You want to follow Jesus. But it's frustrating because it's not really materializing in your life. Why? Because on one hand, your mind is interested, but your imagination is somewhere else. Some of you are sitting right now listening to this, and you're thinking about all the things that you should achieve and accomplish. Or some of you came in here, and your heart is fully into it, and Jesus is the lover of my soul, and, and you are crying at the altar, but your mind is not engaged. And because when faith came, only came to your heart, when your doubt comes, you're also swayed by your heart and your emotions. Some of you accepted Jesus with your will, but you haven't dealt with all, all the other boardroom members are not on point. For a company to succeed, what I'm trying to say is the boardroom needs to figure out what direction they need to go in. And, and tension helps, and, and dealing with stuff in the boardroom helps. But at the end of the day, I love what Pastor Yuri does. When he comes with a church board, he sits in, the, like, a, can you have, like, all of us, all the members, all the ministries, and Pastor Yuri sits in, kind of the head of the, and then he says, hey, this is the direction we're going in. What the boardroom needs is someone to lead which direction everyone needs to go in. That is what Jesus needs to sit on your soul. And every single aspect of your soul, be it your, your will, your emotions, like your imagination, your mind, your heart, your memory, needs to follow the direction of Him. He's the one leading the whole thing. Imagination can't run wild. Or Jesus sitting at the head of the board. Will shouldn't be doing whatever the will wants. 
The heart shouldn't be engaging in the things and loves that are not godly. The imagination should not be engaging in pursuits that are ungodly. Jesus needs to be at the head, at the, at the head of your boardroom. He needs to be in charge of it all. Because if he doesn't, you're going to spend your whole life restless. I love this amazing uh, story that, that's kind of put forward. Well, I guess it's not really a story. It's, it's Jesus calling and saying, look, all of you who have seen these miracles, but you haven't accepted me as your Lord and Savior, it's going to be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than you. Now, a lot of us, especially modern-day Christianity, we like to see miracles. We'll fly across the world, right, to see miracles. Did you know that those miracles could stand in judgment of you one day? What I mean by that is if you cared about miracles without making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, then those miracles will testify against you one day. You will fly across the country to hear a pastor. Well, that's great and all, but on that day, that pastor's testimony will stand in, in, in testimony against you because you had pastors, you saw miracles, you saw God moving, and you have not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. This is what Jesus is saying here. Don't think that all the miracles that you see it's such an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. However, if that doesn't lead you to the cross, if that doesn't lead you to Jesus being the, 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 the head of the boardroom of your soul, that's very problematic. All those things that you saw and witnessed to will stay in judgment against you. That is some serious business. This is not something that, this is not deciding the, the future of a company here. We're talking about your soul. We're talking about like our soul, the most precious thing that we have is, is our soul. And Jesus goes on to say that, that my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father and no one truly knows the father except the son. Those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So if Jesus revealed, if you want to know the father, you need to know the son. He goes on to say that then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. What Jesus is saying here. The, the solution to your restlessness is come to me. I love how St. Augustine puts this and says, our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Uh, Augustine is no stranger to, you know, he was an extreme womanizer and he would sleep with a whole bunch of prostitutes. And, and after he found his rest in Christ, these prostitutes would come up to him and says, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine was like, yes, but it's not I. It, it changed me. I'm no longer who I used to be. I used to find my pleasure. I used to find myself in sleeping with a whole bunch of... No longer is that my, the case here. 
I learned how to find my rest in him. Jesus, come to me, those who are weary and have a whole bunch of burdens. So I'm not sure how you came this morning, but Jesus' call to you is to come to him regardless of what you have and what you've been carrying. Some of us have been carrying the weight of sin. Some of us, the stones we picked up to hurl at other people is what's holding us back. Lord, I'd love to come give my life, but have you seen what they've done to me? And you are charged and ready to go. And Jesus says, look, if you need to come to me. And as you come to me, you're going to have to drop the stones. You're going to have to drop the burdens. To come to Jesus is to turn around. To come to Jesus is to leave the things behind that, that you're pursuing. To come to Jesus is to let go of the things that you held on to so dearly with your life. Uh, there's this there's this episode where people are saying that if the way you catch a monkey is you make this case and then you put a hand, you put a hole in it so the monkey can put its hands through, but then if the monkey closes its hand, then it cannot pull it out. So what we have to do is make this cage, make this hole, put a banana in there, and the monkey will never let go. No, even knowing that it's going to get caught. I think a lot of us is, we do that with sin. We do with, that, with, with our careers and with all of that stuff, right? It's what's holding us back, but we're not letting go. I, I, sorry for the crass example. I know that human, humans have way more value and worth than, than monkeys, but I'm not trying to like reduce that to. But what I'm trying to say is we act like that at times. We hold onto things that are holding us back from coming to Christ, and we need to let go. And, and the promise is, is this, is that if you come to me, because a lot of times we think, okay, well, what, what, how is Jesus going to deal with this? Well, in Mark uh, 2.17, I believe he says that, you know, Jesus didn't come here for the healthy people. He came here for the sick people. Trust me, there's nothing that you can bring to Jesus that he hasn't seen before. So we need to let go. And the promise is, is that if you let go and you come to Jesus, you will find rest. Now, I understand that we have a skewed like, version of what rest really means. If I say rest, you're thinking, yeah, sleep. Like, I, I really need some sleep. Like, I'm, I, I don't know how I woke up this morning, but I need, really need some sleep. When, when, when we think of rest a lot of times, we think of chilling on the couch, watching Netflix or whatever, right? Like, that is the idea that we have of rest or sitting on the beach, right? Like, that is the idea that we have of rest. But that's not what biblical rest is about. Let me prove it to you. It says that on the seventh day, God rested. Let me ask you, does God get tired? Does God sleep? Does he slumber? He doesn't. But it says that God himself rested. So biblical rest is to come to a point of being satisfied, being content, looking back and say, oh, that is awesome. It is to have your soul be content and satisfied. Biblical rest is not you sleeping. Now, now, of course, that is too, right? Like your body needs physical sleep. Jesus, when he was embodied here on, on earth, he slept. He got tired. But biblical rest is even higher than that. It's, it's not just because you can, you can get some sleep, but if your soul is not at rest, 
tomorrow's troubles, the moment you wake up, they'll be present again. Biblical rest is not pleasure either. Some of you need to have vacation after a vacation, if you don't know what I'm talking about. You go on a vacation for three weeks and you come back and you're like, I need a week from work. I need to rest from my vacation. Why? Because, because you're, you're going, you're doing all these things, you come back, and sometimes that, is, that doesn't satisfy. If pleasure was the biblical rest, then Hollywood would have an amazing like, experience where life, all the Hollywood people would have. But no, people that have money have restlessness. People have fame, power, you know, all those things. People that can, they don't have to work. They can spend the whole year on the beach. They are still depressed. They're still dealing with despair. They're still dealing with the tension and the disagreement in their own soul. You can't ignore that. Because at least one third of you is screaming that there's got to be more. Yeah, maybe you have a great life here. Maybe you're not dealing with a physical problem or, any, or, or financial, dif financial difficulty. Maybe you're not dealing with any of those things, but you are dealing with emo maybe with an emotional problem. You're contemplating, contemplating the big questions of life and you have no answers for that. And Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Not only you know, for your physical rest, but also I'll give you a rest that nothing in this world can give you. He goes on to say that I will give you rest. Rest in the biblical sense is not, is not something that you sort of just go to sleep. It's, it's joy, it's fulfillment, it's peace, it's satisfaction, it's completionness, or I don't know if that's a word, completeness, right? It's, it's contentment. Uh, <laughs> the first Psalm, David says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, what, want. He says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I no longer live in want. But if you live in the 21st century, we understand how powerful that is. Everything is advertised to just what, stir up your desires. Every single ad that you see is to stir up your desires and to constantly have you in this chase and nothing to be enough. I literally started doing this where I prepare for a message. I delete all my social media apps because I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You'll get on your social media app and you're like, oh, wow, War and Darfur. That is sad. Oh, kittens. Great. This is so amazing. Wow, this is so funny. Wow. I can't believe she did that. Like, what's going on? Like, this is your feed daily. And then you're wondering, like, and, and, and then you're, you want to spend like half an hour with the Lord and your mind is racing because you're like kittens, war, like you're all over the place. Why? Because that's what you've been, like that's what social media has been training you to do is to go from subject to subject and they're so drastic from place to place and you became so accustomed to seeing this daily that you are numb now. You can't feel for the pain for the people across the world that are dealing with this. And you can't enjoy a joke because you're like, oh, that's funny. Well, your face doesn't say that. Would you notify it? Why? Because, because you got to a point where you're numb to either uh, this kind of emotion or this kind of emotion. It's all over the place. 
And the only way, surely the answer is to turn it all off. Say, God, I want to spend time with you today. God, would you focus me? God, my heart has been yelling and yapping the whole time. I need to address it. God, my, my mind, I have questions, but God, I need answers. And God, I, 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 I have all these imaginations. I want to do all these things for you, Lord, but, but uh, every single pursuit is leading in dead ends. God, would you send me on the pursuit that you called me to, not the pursuits that I imagine, my imagination is running wild with? God, can I stop fantasizing about things, about how I'm going to be rich and powerful and all those things, and to embrace your calling for my life? Lord, would you deal with the memory and the things that I haven't dealt with? God, would you, would, would I, I'm tired of ignoring my conscience. I'm tired of doing all those things. God, I need to hear, I need to hear from you. And surely is to, is to sit down and say, God, I, I just need to rest in you. Get refocused. Lord, call me to where you call me, not what all this turmoil that I have in. Jesus says, and, and this is where Jesus comes in. And he says, Take my yoke upon you. Now that sounds really odd because we don't have any concept of what a yoke is. A yoke is a wooden beam that kind of goes across uh, an ox, two oxes or two cows or two horses at times. It's, I don't know if they use it for horses, so don't quote me on that. But like, I'm, I'm not an experienced in that field. <laughs> but a yoke is what they would do is they would take, you know, so, so you could do the the work of two strong oxen for the price of one. So you could have one that's strong, or one of them that's kind of like, because young ox, they, they always run to, like they always kind of have weird tendencies, right? So where you take any young buck, any young, any young person in general, right? And what Jesus is saying is, I need to yoke you to myself. I need you, I love how the message says this. The message says, I need you to learn the, the unforced rhythm of grace. Unforced rhythm of grace. So a yoke is, is when you're trying to run all wild, you're tied to Jesus and you are in step with him. So you are learning the rhythm and the pace. He sets the pace and you follow it. This is what it means to be, he says, take my yoke upon you. And the problem is, it's really hard to do that when you're yoked to other things. If you're yoked to Jesus and something else, he'll tear you apart. Because they usually don't go in the same direction. So, so this is where we have to let go of our, of our yokes that we were tied to. And say, I, I want nothing to do with that anymore. And so for some of you, my, it, it might be painful, but you might have to go to your crowd of friends and say, hey, there's going to be a time where I come back and reach to you. But right now, I need to be away from you. Right now, I need to walk in step with him and learn his rhythm. I, I need to walk with him daily, is what I'm saying. Some of you are yoked to your career, to your finances, to your schooling. I have to question my own life and say, what, are, what am I yoked with? We need to let go of all that and come under his yoke. He says, my yoke is easy, uh, uh, my yoke is easy and light. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because, and, and then this is the part where Jesus is not just saying, hey, you have to do it because I'm Lord. You've had that before. Your mom's like, hey, can you take out the garbage? And you're like, no, like why? And she's like, because I said so. 
and you like you have to sort of take your pride and stuff it in whatever and then you have to do it right but that's not what jesus is saying here jesus is not saying you have to do it and now sometimes he might have to do that with you but he that's not what he's saying here he says because i am humble and i am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. So, so why? He says, because I am gentle and I am humble at heart. Right? He goes on to say that, and you will find rest for your souls. So what's the reason you should yoke yourself with Jesus? Is that because he is good and because he cares and because he's humble. And because he washed his disciples' feet and he's washing your feet. And he, he came here to serve you. Imagine that God himself took all that glory, put it into one baby, and s- submitted himself onto the cross that you might have eternal life. That is what God has done for us. He submitted himself onto the yoke of humanity that you might have eternal life. He is a good God. He loves you. He cares about it, about you. He cares about every single thing that you're going with. But there's some learning you need to do. You need to learn how to take every single step with Him, in rhythm with Him. You need to learn. Now, at the beginning, it's going to feel like hell. At the beginning, it's going to be like, oh, this is something that I'm not really used to. When the Lord says, slow down. And you're like, but my social media, if I don't post today, like, where are my likes going? Like, my engagement rate. And, and like, all those things. Some of you are like, what is that? <laughs> like, right? Like, and then some of you, the Lord is going to say, okay, we need to move faster. And you're like, but I, I, I can't keep up. Yeah, you can. You, I'm not going to put you through a pace you're not, you're, you're not able to handle. I'm not going to give you that. And if you aren't, I'm going to carry you if I have to. You need to learn the rhythm of walking with him daily, within every single decision, and with every single board member of your soul. Uh, you need to learn how to, your heart to walk with him, your mind to be submitted to him. Apostle Paul says, we cast down every single imagination that exalts itself above, above Christ. Like every single thing that exalts itself about Christ, we cast it down and says, no, you're gonna be under the submission. My heart, God, I know the this heartbreak, heartbreak is, doesn't feel good right now, but you are good. And I'm going to put my, my hope in you now. God, I know my imagination is running wild, but I came under the submission of your will. I'm going to do exactly what you called me to do because we're going here together. God, I'm going to take all the memories, all the things that I haven't dealt with. And I'm going to bring them before you and say, God, bring healing and restoration in this. God, I, I am tired of ignoring, of ignoring God. I, I'm tired of ignoring my conscience. And I want my conscience to constantly speak up and say of the things that I have been ignoring for years and years and years. And God, I'm going to take my will and submit it to yours. And it's no longer my will, but yours be done in my life. That is the steps. That is the rhythm of grace that we have to walk in. Now, you can walk out of this place and do whatever you want to do. That's on you. I'm telling you, you will not find rest until your soul finds rest. No no amount of money, power, any of those things will, will give you that. He goes on to say, verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burn that I give you is light. God doesn't want to crush you. And that's kind of like that idea that I had. I kind of always grew up thinking that God has sort of a frown. You know, like when your dad has a frown on you, like you, you don't even see it, but you feel it. 
right? And I kind of grew up with that, that God's just about to smite you anytime you don't do something that you're supposed to. That is, the, the, some of you walk under that impression just like I was doing. That if, if, and, and, and like your devotion's out of guilt. Not because you want to rest in him, but because, oh, I better do it. Because I'm a leader. I'm a worship leader. Uh, what kind of leader am I? Uh, like I have to do it. Uh, if I'm going to preach, I have to study the Bible. No, that's not the pace that God is setting for you. He doesn't try to crush you under a heavy weight. He says, my yoke is, or my burden is light. He, he, God says, I want to crush you. I want to heal you. I want to, but I want to make sure that you work out. You know, make sure that you grow, that you become a person that, that, is, that is spiritually mature. I love the grace of spiritual mature people. And this might be people that are 20 years old or six years old. When everyone is just going crazy and everyone's wondering like, oh my gosh. And they're just like really just pulling back and saying, you know what? Regardless of what's happening, I know the Lord will come through. And they have such peace and such grace. And you're like, how do you know that? And they're like, because I spoke with him this morning. Because daily he pours into me. I'm coming to close here very soon, but I'm going to tell you that if you're one of those people that likes to sort of run on empty, you can minister. Ministry to people is an overflow of your relationship with the Lord. You can't give what you don't have. I am so glad that my friend brought me gas. But imagine my friend came like, oh, you ran out of gas, me too. I'm like three, three feet behind you. So do you have any gas to give me? This, that's, not, that's not how it works. He has to have gas to give me. And if we're going to be a church, that we're going to bring the fire of God to other people, we've got to make sure their own cars are running. We have to make sure that we are not running on empty. Hey, you can't really give, give people your attention when you're burned out. And you're like, oh, wow, you're struggling. Get it together already. What is wrong with you? Well, why, why do people come? What kind of, why God brings people like you in our church? Why can't he? And you're freaking out. Why? Because you're doing ministry because you're burnt out. You're running out of gas. And you're like, you, 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 you I, 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 have, I have to get places. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We need to be full constantly. And the only way we would do that is to find our rest in Him and for Him to pour into us every single day. I, mean, I want to read this last passage that is so amazing in Hebrews 4. It says, God's promise of entering His rest still stands. This is from scholars. They think that it, was, it was Paul that wrote to Hebrews. We don't know for sure. But the author of Hebrews says this, that His promise still stands. It says, God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For the good news is that God has prepared this rest. He has been announced it to us just as it was to them. But He didn't do any good to them because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter the rest as for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Now, now the author of Hebrews is talking to, obviously, Hebrews. And he's talking about the time when Joshua led him to the promised land. 
and they were supposed to find rest in that land. But because they were complaining, because they did not put their trust and faith in, in, in God, only two of them entered the promised land. And the author of Hebrews is talking and says, and he's saying, look, they didn't get to experience God's provision and God's rest and God's you know, providence and, and promise because they didn't put. And he's saying, but now he's talking about eternal life here. He's talking about eternal rest. Uh, rest. And he's saying this, that look, you have to believe in Christ. Otherwise, the rest that is promised you. Now, there's a rest that God gives us daily to not go with the pace of the world, but to go with the pace of Him. But there's an ultimate rest, and that is an eternity. That is spending eternity with God. And the author here is saying, look, God's promise of entering His rest is still standing or still stands. And he says, because those who didn't believe in God, they still stand under the judgment of God. God in His anger, in His anger, said that they will not never enter my rest. So He goes on to say in verse four, "We know it is ready because of the place in the Scripture where He mentions on the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all His work. But in other passages, God said they will never enter the place of rest, talking about the wicked. So God rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard the good news, failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering His rest. At the time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. It says, today, when you hear my voice, or hear His voice rather, don't harden your hearts. And that is the call for this morning. I don't care and I don't know how you came in here, but I know that you did the right thing by coming here. But church is not going to save you. It's coming to Jesus that will save you. Coming to Him and resting in Him is where your hope is at. And as you're doing this, and I think hell itself, even though the Bible makes it very clear, is a place that it's a physical place of torture and so on and so forth, we also know that it's a place for people who will never find rest. It says that the demons, when they walk out of a person, it says that they, they will go into the desert and they could, could not find any rest. One of the worst things in life is to get everything that you want and realize how restless your heart is still beating. Your soul is still restless. So, so God promised you a rest, a peace, a joy, a satisfaction, a contentment in this moment right now. You can have that this morning by saying, God, I, I'm going to bring you into the boardroom. I'm going to have you deciding the heartbeat, the rhythm of this whole company, of this whole soul. And by doing that, God, I'm looking forward to finally entering in eternity and spending my eternity with you. And that is my call for you this morning. As I'm going to have, actually, if you guys can, the, the, the prayer warriors, I'm going to, uh, and prayer leaders, if you are here, you can stand up right now. I'm going to have them, like, all over the place. And I'm going to call you to prayer. And I'm going to ask you this as, as the worship team comes up. If you have not made Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you make Jesus 
the Lord and Savior of your, of your life this morning and maybe come to a prayer partner and say, hey, I just made Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Would you pray with me? I don't want to embarrass you, but, but I, I want you, if you can, to do that. If you come in here in this place and you have a restless of the soul, I, I pray that you would find a moment and say, I'm going to go and pray with someone and say, God, would you quiet my heart? Would you teach me how to walk in your footsteps? So would you stand this, this morning with me and I'm going to call you to prayer. And if you are dealing with, maybe you have questions about faith, I wanted to step out of your seat and go to one of our prayer partners and, and tell them that and say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord today. Hey, I, I, I'm dealing with a situation that I really need rest from. I need to encounter him this morning. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance. And until next time, God bless you.